You're listening to the feed. This is the feed. This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed. In Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan. In Stouffville. In Woodbridge. In Unionville. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. This is The Feed. I am absolutely over the moon to be bringing you York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. Coming up, the good work of big brothers and big sisters of York Region. We also have details about how you can help the Children's Aid Society. And then there's Jim Lang, a story about keeping seniors active. And stick around for how you can watch movies for free at Cineplex Theatres. Those stories coming up. But we begin with a few reminders if you're hitting the road and the snow is coming down. Amber Pay is behind the wheel on this one. Well, if you were like me this week, caught without your winter tires with that early blast of snow, it had me rattled. I was a little bit scared. I had that white knuckle drive. Thankfully, I now have my snow tires on. But how about some expert advice to help ease that white knuckle drive? Joining me now is Vince Carreri, the sales manager at Maple Honda, with all of the information that I need to know and you need to know. Vince, why are snow tires so important? Well, let's remember, they're not only for snow. They work better anytime it's cold. That's why it's better to think of them as winter tires and not just snow tires. Okay. Winter tires gain their advantage not only because they have superior thread patterns and are designed for traction on ice and snow, but because they employ softer rubber compounds to enhance grip. That means when it's cold, whether it's on dry pavement, snow, or slush, it'll outperform a all-season tire. Oh, okay, so... All-season tires are not as good. So there's a breakdown. Is there regular tires and then all-season tires and then uh, winter tires? Absolutely. So all-season tires are a harder compound with less open tread, which significantly reduces grip and control during winter driving. But many drivers assume that regular all-season tires are just fine for year-round driving. Now, this assumption would only be true if you live in an area with a warmer climate. If you live where it snows or in areas that experience routine temperatures below 7 degrees, a set of dedicated winter tires will dramatically improve the safety during the coldest months. Now, even tests have been conducted that and saw a 35% improvement on braking when winter tires are on a vehicle over standard all-season tires. Mm. And that percentage could actually constitute a life-and-death difference. Oh, that's good. Well, are there any tips that you can share for winter driving? Absolutely. Three important tips to remember. Always slow down and give yourself some extra time. Number two is uh, make sure that you're always wearing your seatbelt, of course, and uh, take extra caution in that bad weather. Number three, always have an emergency kit handy. Now, that also includes an extra bottle of washer fluid, a flashlight, some blankets, and also, uh, 100% charge on your cell phone at all times, just in case of that emergency. Mm. And is there, are there any other winter car maintenance tips that you can share? Absolutely. So in terms of maintenance, of course, we talked about having your winter washer fluid topped up mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and also keep uh, an eye on battery levels. Have your battery tested when you do put on your winter tires. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people don't know it's actually the summer heat that kills your battery. And it doesn't show up until that cold winter hits. And uh, 
doesn't have the necessary power to turn your engine over. Mm-hmm. And that's why your battery test is very important and always something that we do here at Maple Honda with every maintenance check. Ah, and so in that vein, where are you located if our, if, if our listeners have any questions or they want to contact you directly to get those winter tires on? Absolutely. So we are located in Maple. We're right beside Canada's Wonderland. Our address is 89 Autobahn Drive. We're one light north of uh, Rutherford on Jane Street. Oh, thank you so much, Vince. I really appreciate you taking the time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. So did this week's early snowfall remind you that the holiday shopping season is just around the corner? Tina Cortez is next with how Canadian retailers are preparing for Black Friday. Michael LeBlanc is the Senior Retail Advisor with the Retail Council of Canada. Welcome to the show, Michael. Well, thanks for having me on board. Can we start with just filling us in on what exactly does the Retail Council of Canada do? Sure. Retail Council of Canada is a national organization that is the retail association that focuses on Canada and its retailers from coast to coast, all kinds of different formats and sizes from Main Street to multinational. And we look at uh, retail issues and we we speak to governments at all levels, municipal, provincial, and federal. And uh, we talk about retail. It is Canada's largest private sector employee of uh, 2.1 million Canadians, a very important role in the economy and many things from a government policy perspective uh, impact and and are affected uh, by retail. So we work with governments at all levels. And then we, we bring retailers together for thought leadership and try to understand together what's, uh, what's happening in this dynamic industry we call retail. Okay, well, now, according to the survey, there are a growing number of Canadians who plan to shop and spend on Black Friday rather than Boxing Day. And for those who don't know, Black Friday is an American tradition, the shopping day after U.S. Thanksgiving, which this year falls on Thursday, November 28th, and Black Friday is on November 29th. What can you tell us about this survey? Well, it's a great point that you bring up, first of all, that Black Friday is actually a relatively new phenomenon in Canada. It's only been about 10 or 12 years since retail in Canada uh, has adopted. Of course, Canadian consumers have been, you know, shopping Black Friday deals in the States. They would cross the border, you know, years ago, but really the retailers in Canada have adopted it so much so, and re- and consumers love it so much so that it's actually uh, more consumers plan to spend their holiday shopping dollars on Black Friday than they do on Boxing Day. So that's a big change, a huge change actually over the course of time. And we did this same survey last year and we saw those numbers come up and it's just getting more and more so that uh, that there's a spread between the intention to spend on Black Friday and uh, Boxing Day. And do we know how much they're going to spend? We know in total... Uh, consumers uh, said that they intended to spend nationwide because we uh, polled consumers coast to coast about $792 over the course of their holiday spending. So not on that specific individual day. Uh, so that's a, an average number. The, the numbers in Ontario are, are actually quite higher, uh, but it averages out to about $792. And that's spread between holiday entertaining and food and, and gifts uh, over the course of the, um, of the holiday period. Now, you mentioned that there was a time when Canadians would cross the border and shop in the States. Is that still happening? Uh, you know, it happens, and I think um, it happens less so now than ever before for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, pragmatically, the dollar uh, isn't favorable to crossing over the border. I mean, when the dollar is a dollar, so to speak, uh, it's a little more attractive. It's also true that um, 
you know, if you look, think back 10 years ago, the brands that were absent from the Canadian market, uh, you know, there was a lot of brands that uh, Canadian consumers would cross the border to go buy. That's no longer the case in many instances. You know, the 50-plus international retailers have set up business uh, in Canada. It's a very attractive market. So, you know, Canadian consumers don't need to travel to the States to find the goods they're looking for. And And third and finally, this adoption of the Black Friday holiday, if there was a day that you know, Canadian consumers looked south to go shopping. It was this day because the event just wasn't happening in Canada, and that's certainly not the case, and, and our research has proven that out for sure. And are retailers here responding? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, over the course of time, retailers recognize this as a as a as an important event, so they actually plan out this day and these days, whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and, of course, Boxing Day. They'll plan those days out a year plus in advance, and that's a mix of exclusive goods, uh, special buys, door crashers, uh, special values. And, you know, they, it, really it's a time uh, for retailers to make the day exciting. Lots of people thinking about shopping, so that uh, that means it's also lots of competition, right? Retail is a very competitive business, so lots of uh, retailers would kind of first and foremost say, let's make sure that uh, I have great offers to keep the customers that I already have, and maybe I'll have uh, offers that will uh, entice or uh, make other Consumers who perhaps don't shop me today curious about uh, what I'm all about. And are consumers actually hitting the malls or is shopping online their preferred method? Well, it's a great question. The, the short answer is both. Uh, our research said over the course of uh, the time, over the course of the holidays, uh, they will spend you know the majority of their dollars actually in physical stores. And that's, uh, that's true uh, across the years and kind of across many formats, not necessarily uh, all, but that's certainly true in, in many formats. So what our research tells us is that, that they are going to spend um, 72% of their shopping dollars in store, 20% uh, online from a desktop, and another 8% on a mobile device. So 28% uh, of their shopping dollars uh, collectively online and 72% in store. So stores still play a uh, hugely significant role. And of course, that role is even greater when it comes to food and, and beverages, right? There's only, you know, one or two percent of, uh, groceries today that, uh, you can shop online or that people uh, shop online for. And we anticipate that to increase, but right now the vast majority of food and groceries is bought uh, in retail stores. And are the deals better online or actually in the stores? Can you tell us that? Well, I think what you see is that, that retailers would see those as both two different channels that come together. In other words, the deals would be the same in most places. So really, uh, it's a matter of presenting great values and great offers, and retailers just uh, really hope you shop versus, uh, you know, try to get you to shop online or try to get you to shop in store. Sometimes a retailer might use online to, uh, to clear out some items uh, that they have uh, an extended assortment for, but mostly you'll find a nice uh, connection between both online and, uh, and in-store. Now, the other assumption about this survey is that some have already started their holiday shopping, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, we see that, uh, you know, by the time you start shopping, you've got um, a percentage of, of consumers that are, are shopping early. And by the time that end of November, 77% have already started shopping. Or sorry, 72% of holiday started, uh, holiday shoppers have already started shopping by the end of 2019. So, uh, you know, that's, it's, if anything else, the Black Friday, and Black Friday is actually later this year significantly than it was last year. Last year was on the 23rd, so it's six days, uh, full six days later, but Canadians have already started shopping, 
and a full 72% of them will have started shopping by the end of uh, the month. Now, just before we wrap things up, if our listeners want more information about this survey or the Retail Council of Canada, where can they find it? Yeah, they can find a, a great infographic uh, at our website, and they can f- learn more about us at retailcouncil.org.org, retailcouncil.org. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. This is the feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for being with me this weekend. Coming up on December 7th, Cineplex is hosting a free holiday movie day for a very good cause. Afuaba with the big screen attractions. Well, next month, there will be a family movie holiday event for all to enjoy. Take it as an early Christmas gift, courtesy of Cineplex. So joining me today to talk more about this holiday treat is Sarah Van Lang. She is the executive director of communication for Cineplex. Thank you very much, and happy holidays. You're the first person that I've had the pleasure of of, of greeting in that way. Oh, happy holidays to you. I feel so special. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into it. For those that may not know, can you talk to us about this Community Day event that's happening next month? Yeah, so on December 7th, uh, our theaters across Canada are going to be hosting Community Day events, and this year, we've been hosting them for nine years, and this year we're, we're putting a festive twist on it. Um, so come into our theaters on December 7th, it's a Saturday morning, our doors open at nine, and on screen we're going to be bringing back favorite holiday movies, and it's all for a good cause. So come into our theaters, you can watch A Christmas Story, you can watch Elf, you can watch The Polar Express, and my personal favorite like my actual favorite movie of all times of all time is, is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and I've never seen it on the big screen. Wow. Okay, so first off, Cineplex is pulling out all the stops and bringing out the holiday classics. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our friends at, at Warner Brothers. Yeah, they've, they've been kind. They've, they've um, donated all the costs associated with the films. And guests, when they come in, perhaps the best part is that when guests come in, um, we're discounting all of our, our popular concession items like pop and and, fountain, uh, and popcorn and candy. They're all just two fifty, and proceeds from that, though, all those donations go um, right to the Boys and Girls Club of Canada. Okay. That, oh, awesome. And it's going towards a great cause, too. Yeah. And uh, just so that it, I want to make it clear for the, the listeners, all of these movies, when they come in on December the 7th, they are free, correct? They are absolutely free. Um, but we ask that, uh, that people will either make a donation when they come in uh, for, the, for this great cause or that they, they purchase concessions. So popcorn, soft drinks, and candy. It's a, it's a great excuse, I have to say, to have popcorn for breakfast. I've done it for many, many years now. Uh, and, it, and it's quite delicious in the morning. You are not alone. <laughs> I do it for breakfast, too. <laughs> um, all right. So then how can uh, residents uh, purchase tickets? Do they have to do it in advance? And is this available at all locations? So it's at select locations. It's the vast majority of our network. If if, um, if movie lovers are looking for more information, it's, they can simply go to our website, uh, cineplex.com slash community day. There we'll have more information on the movies that we're showing. We've got um, instructions on when they should show up. Um, it's It's People can just show up in the morning um, and and come on in. There's no need to per- like no need to get tickets on in advance. It's um, it's a first come first serve. But usually we're able to accommodate all movie lovers on the morning, uh, and then they come in, they get their popcorn, they sit down, and and it's a really fun event to um, to you know and get yourself into the holiday spirit. But it's also this is the perfect time to be giving back to the community, uh, which is why this is the first time that we've hosted it during the holidays, and and we're excited about about the opportunities there. 
Okay, and then let's of course talk about um, the where all of these uh, the proceeds will be going to. It's going towards the Boys and Girls Club of Canada. If you can talk to me about the the partnership and choosing to partner with that organization. Yeah, so we've been working um, through one of our divisions, through Cineplex Media. We've been working with uh, the Boys and Girls Club for many years. This is the first time that the proceeds um, from our Community Day event are going to be um, going to be going to them. It's a really, it's a perfect partnership because they've actually got networks of families that they work with across Canada that they can reach out to, um, and, and that's really what this event is all about, is bringing the community together, celebrating film and celebrating the holidays. Awesome. Okay. And then one more time for our listeners, if you could just uh, give us um, the social media as well as the website where they can go for more information. And um, just as to when this will on December 7th, the the timeline as to when uh, families can come in and watch the movies. Yeah, so for more information, again, visit cineplex.com slash community day. You can uh, find us on social media. So that's Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram at, at Cineplex Movies. There'll be details there about the titles that we're showing. There'll be details there about when you, when you should show up. But again, December 7th, um, doors open at 9 o'clock and, and showtimes begin at 9, at 9.30. That gives people time to get, get their concessions. And we're really excited about the titles this year. Again, A Christmas Story, Elf, Gremlins, The Polar Express, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, all the movies that you're going to be watching anyway, but this is an opportunity to watch them on the big screen. And all for a good cause, too, as you mentioned. A great cause, a great cause. It's a great holiday event uh, to look forward to, and of course, going towards a great cause, supporting the Boys and Girls Clubs of Canada. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, and we'll see you on the 7th. You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region, where we share stories, issues, and events from across York Region, including a new initiative to keep our seniors active and healthy. Here's Jim Lang with the game plan. And numerous studies have shown that the older we get and as we enter our senior years, the more active we are, the better it is for our long-term health. And to that end... And the Ontario government is doing things to make seniors healthy, safe, and active. And Markham Youngville, thrilled to be speaking to the MPP for Markham Youngville, Billy Pang. Billy, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. This is, this is a really cool initiative. The government investing a significant sum of money to Angus Glen and the Older Adults Club to help seniors in the area stay active. Tell us how this all came to be, Billy. Yeah, so uh, as you may know, that the senior population in Ontario is the fastest growing age group. So by 2023, there will be about 3 million Ontarians over the age of 65. So in order to support this uh, people group, that is why the government is investing $25,000 to the Angus Glen Older Adults Club uh, to help seniors in Markham Unionville to stay active and socially connected. Well, and it's really cool because some of the things that they're learning hands-on experience with different skills that maybe we don't associate with singer activities, it's, it, it's really a broad range, Billy, that you guys are trying to introduce to the singer population. Yes, we are. And uh, the, the goal is to uh, keep them active, healthy, and happy. So for, uh, through this uh, grant, this is called a social community grant, and uh, we support this group, and they have a very interesting initiative uh, called uh, Making Films. So they engage seniors in local events by training them to become film journalists through creating contents on seniors' related activities and broadcasting it online. I think it's fantastic, Billy, because I would imagine someone in the senior population has a much different view on movies and, 
entertainment than maybe you and I do. Yes, obviously. Uh, <laughs> the, the other day uh, when we were together and I, I can see the tour and their skill, they are very professional. And I know that the, the Seniors Community Grant is also focusing in other areas. Unfortunately, elder abuse is a problem in certain parts of the province, and this initiative is going to help curb that and try to reduce the amount of stories we hear about it. Yes, uh, we try to uh, use this grant to not just uh, activities, but also prevent uh, social isolations and keep them uh, safe and security for the seniors. Say, for example, we will provide education and information sessions for seniors to guide against financial abuse or providing information sessions on increasing awareness and preventing uh, elder abuse. Speaking with Billy Pang, the MPP for Markham Unionville, talking about this a great initiative to keep seniors healthy, safe, and active in the region of Markham Unionville. One of the programs and services help prevent social isolation. What is social isolation, Billy? Social isolation is, uh, you know, when people get older, it is not easy to reach out to the community. Number one is they have different experience. Some, uh, some, some of them are getting older. It's not uh, very uh, accessible to the community, or, or they just uh, because they are older, they tend to be not that active. So through this uh, programs, we try to bring them out from their homes to engage in their communities, to connect with others, to share their interests so that they can keep active. You know, active is one of the keys to keep them healthy. You know, Billy, I've been in certain events and I I still go to the gym and I'm seeing seniors running, doing martial arts, doing fitness, as well as people 20, 30 years younger than them. If they keep going, there's no reason why they can't keep doing it as they get older. Yeah, that's why we, we not... But what you can see are those very active, but many of them are staying at home mm-hmm. after they, they're getting older. So we use this grant and uh, this, uh, this kind of uh, community organizations to encourage them to go out, reach out to the other communities, learn more new things, and especially in those underserved, rural, remote, multicultural areas. So these communities uh, need our focus to give them further support to bring them out so that they don't they don't be isolated and when they are healthy and happy and it is also uh, lower the, the stress of the, our health care system that makes total sense the Angus Glen Older Adults Club is something really amazing that's uh, been started by the Ontario government. Thrilled to be speaking to Billy Pang, the MPP for Markham Unionville, doing great things in the community. And anything we can do to help our singer population, Billy, is a good thing. I really thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Remember, if you missed any part of our show, please head to 1059theregion.com for a replay. Across this nation, the Big Brothers and Big Sisters programs have played an integral role in providing mentoring, leadership, trust, and consistency to so many young people. We recently caught up with Trevor Dale. He is a former little brother who now wants to give back to those who supported him when he needed it most. Trevor, welcome to the feed. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience growing up with Big Brothers Big Sisters? Yeah, Big Brothers and Big Sisters was amazing growing up. My mom had seen a need to have a consistent male role model in my life and 
should reach out to big brothers and big sisters to have someone uh, there. And I was partnered up with what they call a big brother. And this person spent um, more than the minimum one-year requested commitment and uh, was there for me over such a long period of time. And he was such a good, kind, caring person and left such a major positive impact in my life. What exactly did you do together? We did a lot of things from... Uh, horseback riding to going to the movies to playing catch to um, just just spending time together uh, just just consistent time together in various activities and how much time because you said it was more than a year how mm-hmm. much time did you actually spend together I'd want to say five years before he moved out of province yeah. wow that was a lot of time it was a lot of time pretty amazing and I guess you know your mom must be pretty amazing as well because she had the the wherewithal to recognize that maybe you needed this in your life at that time. For sure. Yeah, she was always very caring and nurturing to us and really supported us and always trying to find out what we needed. And in this, she decided to reach out to big brothers and big sisters, and it was such a great positive impact for me. What kind of impact do you think big brothers, big sisters had on your life? What if you didn't have the big brother in your life? For me, it was seeing and living and being a part of someone who gives so consistently and without asking for anything in return and that was the one lesson that I was able to take away from it and carries with me to this day and and I think that was the biggest thing so if I didn't have it it would be hard to imagine in a future without that life lesson and you're also still giving back to this organization tell us how well one of the things that I did was I had a physical challenge to run around Lake Simcoe which is in one go uh, without stopping and uh, it was a little over 100 miles, about 175 kilometers. And uh, I did that and raised awareness and funds for Big Brothers and Big Sisters. How much did you raise? A little over $5,000. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> and do you know happy. where the money goes and how it helps them? It goes to help uh, raise money for programs. It helps to train the new bigs, uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters that are coming on. And then it just helps to match uh, the Big Brothers and Big Sisters with the Little Brothers and Little Sisters. Now, what about those listeners out there who maybe are a bit reluctant, who maybe don't want to get involved in an organization like this? What would you want to say to them? I think there's a number of ways you can get involved if you're looking to, either to um, donate a little bit of money. There's a a great way to sponsor them on a more regular basis, either on a monthly basis or even just a one-off. One of the other ways, too, is that if you've been considering it but haven't decided to actually go through with it, there's always you can go to one of the information sessions and um, just learn a little bit more to see if it's right. Just consider the impact. Obviously, people are interested in it. And um, I'm finding people everywhere that I talk to that were big brothers or big sisters at one point, and I just don't know about it until you start talking about it. So, And have you connected or uh, lost touch with your big brother? I've uh, lost touch with my big brother. Um, I'm hoping to reconnect with him just to let him know what I did for the organization because he helped me and me in turn, I've helped a lot of other people now because of what I've done. So, um, you know, his choice has enabled a lot of people to get help. Uh, so it's not just my life that he interacted and that he helped. Well, you know so. what? He's probably listening. So <laughs> let's send him a message today. What would you want to say to him? I would want to say, uh, Glenn, thank you so much for the amazing experiences that you gave me and and life memories that I will never ever forget or take for granted. I just sincerely appreciate everything you gave to me. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.
If you think you've got what it takes to mentor a young person, please go to york.bigbrothersbigsisters.ca. If instead, perhaps you want to bring a child into your home, the Children's Aid Society needs foster parents. So here's how you can help. If you have a bed to spare in your home or you've been thinking about ways to help youth who don't have access to a safe place to sleep, you can consider becoming a foster parent. Joining me to chat today is Lori Ireland-Mills, Supervisor of Residential Development at the York Region Children's Aid Society. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lori. Thank you for having me. Of course. Okay, so for the listeners that may not know, can you talk to me about uh, the York Region Children's Aid Society and what you do at the organization? Absolutely, yes. The work of the uh, Children's Aid Society is to work with families to make sure that their children's needs are being met and that they're safe. So most of the time that involves us um, working with families to, to determine what needs they have, what sort of issues they might be facing, and trying to connect them with services that can address those needs. So sometimes those are in-house things. It's a, you know, a worker coming out and meeting with them and talking through issues. Sometimes it's uh, connecting them with a counseling service. Um, whatever it is that the family might be facing that we can sort of help them address so that their kids are ultimately well cared for. Often, most times, that involves the children are in their homes with their families um, and we're working alongside them. Every now and again, there's a reason that the children can't remain with their families and our job then is to connect them or look at their circle of support and see who else might be able to assist the family. So it might be a, a grandma or an auntie or an uncle somebody from their faith community who can be connected, and we can, um, we can find somebody else who might be able to care for the child temporarily and help the family out so that the parents have some time and space to do the things that they might need to do to address what the issues are. And ultimately, if that isn't effective and we're not able to find somebody else who can do that, then children might have to come into care temporarily, and that's what fostering is. So we do need foster parents who can care for children, provide a safe, loving home for a child on a temporary basis to let parents do the work that they need to do to be able to have the children return to them. Awesome. Okay, so you guys do so many great things, I mean, within the community. And um, it's great that you gave us that that quick um, just intro and, uh, you know, explanation as to what the organization does. Um, you mediate in so many different ways to ensure, of course, that the child's safety is, is number one and priority um, in all homes. So, I mean, that's great. Uh, and it's great work that you are all continuing to do. So thank you for that. And you just touched on um, fostering. Um, I know that sometimes adoption might be in people's minds, but people might not necessarily be thinking about fostering. So can you tell us maybe the difference um, between fostering and adoption? Yes, absolutely. That's a great question. So um, adoption is meant to be a permanent, lifelong connection for a child. It's, that child is a member of the family, um, and that's lifelong, whereas fostering is really meant to be a very temporary solution for a problem, something Again, as I said earlier, a place, a safe place for a child to be while their parents work on whatever issues cause the child not to be able to be with the parents in the first place. So if you're looking, if, if a child is needing a lifelong home, we'd be looking for an adoptive home. But if it's really more of a temporary situation, we would be looking at fostering for a child. Ah, okay. I love how you clarify that. Awesome. Okay, so then uh, what does one need in order to qualify to be a foster parent? Yeah, the biggest thing that, that you need is uh, the ability to provide a safe, loving home for a child. That's, that's the key. Um, but there are many things involved in becoming a foster parent. There's quite an extensive home study process that has to happen because obviously we need to make sure that any place a child is going to live is safe. 
Um, there's ongoing, there's initial training that's quite intensive, and that has to happen before a child would ever be placed there. But then once a home is opened, once a, a family is is um, successfully made a foster family, then there's ongoing training. There's ongoing support. There's a worker who's attached to that home and provides ongoing support and, and help to the family as they care for the needs of the child that's placed with them. Okay. And so um, how long does the process take? Well, let's say I uh, decide that I want to be a foster parent and I put my name in the hat. What what happens from there and how long would it take before I um, would see a child come into my home? Yeah, so if you were to apply to be a foster parent, you would have a worker who would come out to your home and do an initial sort of meet and greet, give you some more information about being a foster parent, what it what is involved, what the uh, home study process looks like. And if you decide, yes, you'd like to continue from that point on, then we would have you enrolled in our training program, um, which, again, is quite an extensive program. It's nine weeks, three hours per session of training so that you really understand the needs of the children that we might be placing in your home. And it's a chance both for you to figure out if, indeed, this is a good fit for you and your family and for us to ensure that your family and, and you as a foster parent is a good fit for, our, for the children that would be in our care. Um, so that happens. Then there's a, a home study, a home assessor, sorry, who comes out and would visit your home several times, would uh, interview anybody who lives in the home and make sure that everybody sort of understands what this is and it's a good fit for everybody. And uh, if all of that goes well and everybody's still on board, there's um, police and child welfare record checks that have to occur as well. And then you can be opened as a foster home and accept your first placement. Awesome. Okay. Um, and so after that whole process uh, takes place, I mean, one of the questions that might pop up uh, before um, maybe considering being a foster parent, does it matter if one if a person is single or married? That's a great question and one we get all the time and absolutely not. We're actually looking for families that are from all different kinds of backgrounds for single parents, married parents, common law, um, same-sex couples, from every sort of... Um, religious background that might exist, all different kinds of uh, cultural backgrounds is really helpful because ultimately we want to place children in homes that are somewhat familiar to them. It's obviously not their own family, but um, ideally we would have a child who's placed with a family that's somewhat similar to their background so that they, um, you know, they feel a little bit more at home and it's a little easier. We also really ideally want to have children placed in their own communities. Um, as you can imagine, it would be quite traumatic to have to leave your family home. So ideally, we have a child who can remain in their own school and still have contact with their same friends and all of those things. So if people are wondering if they can foster in different sort of life situations, absolutely, please call us. Okay, awesome. And then uh, can you foster more than one child at a time? Uh, yes. So um, part of the home study process is determining, first of all, how much space you have. And also, what, what kinds of needs might you be able to handle? So, uh, yes, you can foster more than two children, or more than one child, sorry, up to four children, actually. Um, and we are looking for families that would be able to accommodate sibling groups, because if you have, you know, sibs, two or three, who come in together, we don't want to split them up. So, ideally, there are people who would have space to have more than one child, but we need people that can have just one child as well. Okay. And then how long can a child stay in the foster home? Does it vary from case to case? It really does vary. Sometimes it's very, very short. Um, children are just in the home for a few days. Quite often it's a bit longer than that, and occasionally it's, it's quite long. It takes quite some time for us to address whatever the issues were that brought them into care. So typically it's 
uh, it's on the shorter end. That's our, certainly our goal because we want to return children to their families. Um, but there are times when children are in care for a bit longer. Okay. Um, and then, uh, of course, we are talking about this because there is a uh, critical need um, for foster parents. If you could just maybe just talk about that a little and just put a little uh, of a call out to, to residents, uh, just basically um, talking about the need for um, anyone to, to come forward to register to be a foster parent. Yeah, it is. It's really quite a critical need at this point. We do need people who, the, the children of the community belong to the community, and we want um, people to be able to step out, step up and be able to offer support to these kids at their time of need. We are very much in need, particularly of foster parents who can care for teenagers and babies, because that tends to be a particular area of need, along with the sibling groups that I spoke of earlier. And people that are prepared to help a child stay connected with their community, with their family, with their faith group, all of those things. So we, we really do need the community to step up and, and come and help us. I know that uh, the York Region Children's Aid Society is uh, celebrating November as Adoption Awareness Month. If you could just maybe quickly touch on what that campaign entails. Yeah, so we are trying to get the message out that we do need um, families who are prepared to offer a child a lifelong family connection, um, which is adoption. We uh, There are children who are in need of those connections now. Uh, typically, they are not um, babies. I know that people often think of adoption being for babies. We need families who are able and willing to care for children who are not babies, maybe have some special needs, might be part of a sibling group. Um, but those children need lifelong connections as well, and, and we really are looking for just the right fit. So each child we would, um, we have looked at sort of what their needs are and, and try to find the very perfect fit for that child because it is, you know, lifelong. It's not short-term. It's, it's a long-term commitment. Where can residents, uh, of course, go for more information if they want to be a foster parent, if they want to adopt, if they want to volunteer with the organization, where can they go? We would welcome anybody to contact us. We have a website, www.fosteringatyork.com, and there's um, lots of information on there. But also we have monthly information nights where people can come and just hear what it is to be a foster parent. There's no commitment being made, but you can just come and sort of hear about it. We have um, current foster parents who are part of that presentation, so you have a chance to ask a real foster parent what what is it really like. Um, so the next session that's coming up is Thursday, November 21st at 7 p.m. at our Newmarket office, which is on Leslie Avenue in Newmarket. So all the details are available on that website that I gave earlier, and we would we would love to have a big group of people that we could talk to at that night. Lori, thank you so much for joining me to chat today, of course, letting us know about the need for foster parents. And we hope that residents in the region will heed the call and open their doors. Of course, the main priority in all of this is the children and making sure that they are safe. Lori, thanks again. Thank you. Well, that's our show for this week. If you missed any part of the feed or have a story idea or a community event to share, please go to our website, 1059theregion.com. I'm Ann Romer. So glad you were with us. Thank you for listening.